Hi guys, and welcome to our latest Response Physio podcast. Uh, with me again, Josh, and today I've got with me Matt. How are you doing, Matt? You okay? I am very well, thank you. Good, good, good. Although you sound a bit bunged up. Oh, I've got, I've got the worst cold ever. Now, is it, is it, is it the worst cold ever? Yes. Or is it that? Okay, right, fine. So no, it's no, categorically no. the worst one ever. Yes. It's, yeah. It's okay. I'm never supposed to, <laughs> as opposed to the elephant in the room. <laughs> definitely a cold. Just officially declare it's definitely a cold. <laughs> cool. Uh, so, Matt, what we've got today. So we're going to talk about lower back pain, which obviously is a massive beast in the uh, sort of physio and sort of human body uh, world, if you like. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about that, break that down a little bit. We're going to talk later about uh, cycling and the relationship sort of with the lower back and why we might get pain when we're cycling in the back. And as always, as we've done in previous podcasts, we will answer some questions from the public. So Great. we're going to dive in. Are you ready to go? Yep. Let's do it. So, low back pain, as we said, is a very sort of all-encompassing thing. It's quite a, it's quite a loaded term, isn't it? We know that it's something that's very, very common amongst people. If you were to just sort of rattle off some ideas and themes as maybe causes for lower back pain, what type of things sort of spring to your mind um, for people to understand there about lower back pain? <coughs> Good. Occasionally, I'm going to cough through this, Josh. That's fine. I also think it's just proof, just to say to listeners and everyone listening, you know, I'm definitely ill. Josh has made me do this. I'm ill. Just, I'm going to cough here and there. So you all listen at home. <laughs> I'm that ill. I think so, that's what's happening. So the low back pain thing, you know, you can get all the stats, don't you, of, um, is it one, one point something million days a year are lost because of low back pain? Yeah. Uh, and they're all they're all massive stats, and because they're massive stats, they're almost undigestible, aren't they? Yeah. Um, so, when you look at the cause of the low back pain, I'm going to split it down it, relatively simplistically, um, and uh, and I suppose just to say that my experience of low back pain comes from I've worked on the uh, spinal surgery unit at um, Queen's Medical Centre in Nottingham mm -hmm. and worked with a number of low back pain consultants and, and uh, low back surgery consultants uh, for many years and um, worked in chronic pain for a long time as well. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, as we know, concentrate on the mechanics side of things as well. So I've got a good grounding in the medical. Yeah. And that's where I was just going to start. So the cause is low back pain medically. And the reason I split this out is because when you go to the doctor, this is how the doctor is looking at your low back pain. So is it uh, something really nasty like infection in the low back or is it something like uh, cancer in the low back? Okay. Mm -hmm. Of which they're very rare. Yeah. And then from there, is there something broken, damaged, torn, ripped, any of these kind of things, okay? Mm. And that's, but for a, for a medical person, it's relatively easy to decipher whether it's any of those things as well. Mm -hmm. So is it broken? Is, it, is the bone broken? Is the joint damaged? Is the, and, it, and this is all down to how it happened, how it came on, 
because you rarely get a, a severe structural low back pain if it just came out the blue. Yeah. It just appears. Something's got to happen, hasn't it? Something's got to happen. If it just, I woke up one morning and there I had back pain and I haven't done anything, then mm. it's rarely going to be a severe structural problem. Yeah. Okay. That's not to say the pain won't be severe, mm -hmm. but the structures won't be damaged. Okay? Yeah. So then you're into how can you have low back pain then if there's no structural damage? Well, yeah. there are 20 muscles that come up from each leg and attach to the pelvis. And there's 14 muscles that come down from the rib cage and attach to the pelvis. So in total, there's 54 controlling strings that cause the pelvis and low back to move in certain ways. And they all have to coordinate with each other because one leg doesn't work differently from the other. They all work in conjunction mm -hmm. with this. And the best example of that is walking. So if I, yeah. if I walk across the room, I'm using the 20 muscles on my left and the 20 muscles on my right as they swap from each other yeah and i'm using my trunk muscles and my lower back muscles because they have to hold me up whilst i'm on one leg yeah so uh you've got this mechanical idea now because you've got not only each of these muscles is having an effect on the pelvis hips mm -hmm. and low back you've got um a consistent rotation that's taking place because yeah that's what is yeah yeah and sitting and working computers creates rotation uh if i if i um I'm a, if i'm a manual worker if i if i lift build plumb um um scaffold yeah garden any of these kind of things if i've if i've um got let's say four or five of these muscles that are tight yeah then now in a twisted position and in a non-symmetrical position right and so that means i'm going to overload some other muscles and that means my my movement will be restricted and that leaves me open to measures of low back pain now and I'm, I'm just gonna i'm just gonna step in as well as i've just mentioned the word symmetry mm -hmm. people go well nobody's symmetrical and that's that's a, i agree nobody's symmetrical yeah. but that's not to say the ideal position Mm. So the low back, pelvis, and hips shouldn't be symmetrical. So yeah. ideally, would be. Yeah. But a lot of us aren't, and we cope with that. Yeah. Then there's a lot of people that don't cope with that. Mm. I think um, the body also has an amazing ability to cope, doesn't it? So I think there's potentially under an, an underestimation out there of actually just how well the body does cope and then when we're in pain all of a sudden we think well how's this come about it's like well it's actually been coping with a big degree of differences for quite a while and actually That's now has just said look enough's enough I need to let you know about it and that coping is is all about our um the computer yeah so the computer in your brain is task orientated so if i've got a problem how am i going to function still how am i going to feed myself wash myself look after myself continue to go to work drive the car move stuff around all that sort of stuff and that's a task and the software program in your head says well what i'll do is i'll tighten this bit up and tighten that bit up and i'll take the pressure off that bit that hurts a bit and all of a sudden you're moving better and you're yeah. achieving 
task, but you're not moving in a healthy way and you may not even know it. Yeah, and also maybe to correct the word better there, it's it's uh, we're moving potentially pain-free, yes. but pain-free for now. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, actually, yeah. We're not actually maybe moving better in terms of actually sort of, like you said before, things in symmetry or muscles working to, together in better coordination. We're just moving in a way that actually doesn't expose the thing that was being exposed before, but yeah. then most likely that'll probably just expose other stuff. Well, if you then look at what all the subjects so far to do with low back pain that, that I've, I've <clears> banged <throat> on about and then you joined in with, you could go, you can level them up and you can go, okay, there's, is there structural damage? Mm. Yes, no. Is there, is there, you know, something nasty happening, infection, tumor? Yes, no. Okay. Yeah. Uh, is there a mechanical problem for one of these 54 muscles or a number of these 54 muscles? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is there a joint that's uh, being rubbed or irritated uh, or inflamed? Is there, um, is there damage, tear, tear, rip, those kinds of things? How was my body functioning before the pain mm. came on? Yeah. Well, well, as far as I know, it was doing okay. Yeah. But in real life, had it tightened up here or tightened up there or locked itself here, locked itself there in order to cope? Yeah. And then how is the software programs in the brain, how are they doing their job? Yeah. Well, they're telling me to avoid that and to move there. They're telling me to, to protect myself in a certain way because that will help me move. Yeah. I've now got into that habit. So uh, the body will adapt and that whatever your ad adaptation comes in, if you do it for long enough, it becomes normal. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So you, you've got already in the first five minutes of this podcast we're on to <laughs> we're on to 11 or 12 points of yeah, of back pain can come on yeah and and it, it it just it just shows the complexity yeah of the whole thing really yeah absolutely when i'm in my clinic room and i'm running through this complexity I suppose what I'm doing right now is, is running you through the brain thought patterns that take place within my sessions. But also, this, this you know, those 11 things um, may come out over a couple of sessions because it's so complex. Yeah. You know, being able to, to deliver, deliver and un unpick the complexity of it in one session is sometimes really difficult. Mm. And I think that's it, because as you've mentioned, there are that many factors at mm. play. And, you know, that's impossible uh, from a blank canvas to sort of get to the bottom of all of that to start with. And I think that, that's a, and also a common thing that I find crops up um, in sessions is, is about that complexity. And this sort of sense of how did I get here? Like, is it is it this thing that did it? Is it this thing that did it? And this wanting to try and attach blame to like one singular event or cause or, and more often than not, and nearly always the case, these things are always um, got multiple factors involved and loads of different reasons and all of that meshing together. And I think actually then from someone listening and then also I think from our side of things, that then actually becomes a real positive 
because when someone comes and gets pain mm. we can go right well we can look at this we can do that we can do that there are so many different ways that we can look at tackling this to mm. get someone feeling better and, and obviously and get the thing improved mm. if someone was go on that statement the yeah. statement that regular use is um is there's no one word you're 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 in a very few people if one word will describe your low back pain oh this is down to the disc mm. yeah oh this is because you lifted that suitcase mm. yeah in actual fact it's often a paragraph the diagnoses that i'll give <clears throat> are often paragraphs of yeah well the, it, from talking to you it sounds like this is the first thing that happened then the pains come on later six months later then uh, your habits have brought that in um, now your brain and body are struggling to coordinate this situation and and in all of that time that it's taken to get to this point maybe it's been a year mm -hmm. um your resilience has got less so yeah. your body much weaker than it was mm -hmm. because whenever there's pain the other software program that's taking place is well there's pain there so i'm not going to use it so that mm -hmm. bit of your body's getting weaker yeah so the 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 way out isn't just oh, i'll strengthen this or move that it's actually it's actually all of those factors that that go into making up a paragraph of what this low back pain actually is mm. yeah so we've gone fairly complex this there actually with um with some of that stuff let's just zoom out slightly yeah. and no, go stay, you want to stay complex <laughs> <laughs> suddenly some of the uh, suddenly the paracetamol's kicked in and you're feeling a bit better <laughs> um i'm just thinking on a structural level so let's say for instance someone um seen a consultant doctor um or even has seen you know physio or some sort of input and they've been given a structural diagnosis. Yeah. What would you then do from that perspective? What would you then say? What would be the sort of procedure and plan to try and then help that person? <coughs> if that person, if a person comes in and they say to me, I've got a disc problem, then what I'll do, or I've got a facet joint problem, uh, or I've got arthritis in my back, okay. And I'll say, well, first of all, who's diagnosed that? Yeah. We can, we, can, we can all go onto Google now and we can make these diagnoses ourselves. Yeah. Right. And actually, that I don't mind that. It's not a problem for me. That it, 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 Google's there and it'll never, it's never going away. Mm. Uh, if they're happy with that diagnosis, I'm happy to leave it. Is yeah. It, sometimes people come in and they're like, I, I, yeah, I've got this. It's a facet joint problem. I'm happy with that diagnosis. That's fine. It's a mm. facet because I don't need to fight the psychology for that one word to be correct. Yeah. I'm still going to follow a system and a, and a treatment way. Yeah. To bring out of the habits, out of the weakness, out of the positional problem, out of the, um, uh, out of the, out of the, uh, you know, the pain through a mixture of exercise movement yeah uh, manual therapy uh um, learning to move better taking away the habits all of these different bits mm. so the the di their their diagnosis i'm happy with yeah if, if 
the diagnosis has happened from another medical professional and that medical professional has done a, a reasonable work into it and uh, maybe they've got an MRI scan and it and it it makes sense and uh, MRI scans and low back pain are a, another factor mm, probably yeah. worth a discussion somewhere in here about about does the picture fit the symptoms well you just read my mind because uh, as you said the psychology bit there I think that was one of the big things that stuck out in my mind of that someone let's say for instance someone's got an MRI scan and they say well my scan shows this yeah and you can often sense in that person that this is like the end of the world or how do we change this like what do we do what do we do and actually you could have had that structural presentation that shows today on that MRI yeah. two years ago mm. but you weren't in pain two years ago mm. so actually there is potentially here a common denominator of this structural presentation but not a consistent pain to go alongside that and actually the pain being something that fluctuates so actually when someone uh, presents then with this you know structural presentation on, on a scan or whatever yeah. the psychology around that i think yeah is something that really needs to be sort of bust wide open because actually you know there's not always a very strong correlation between this um, structural change whatever it might be um yeah. and then actually your pain well i, I don't mind how profession some of the medical professions have, have got against gone quite against MRI scans. I don't mm. mind as long as the rules are set out beforehand about why we're doing it. Yeah. Bring this MRI scan to gather information. Yeah. We're not the MRI scan to tell us what's wrong. Mm. Because when you get an MRI scan, there's a number of things have to happen. First of all, the guy that reads the MRI scan hasn't seen you as a patient. Yeah, they can take a look at the MRI scan and they can give a good experienced reading of that picture. Mm -hmm. Think of it like a like a skilled military professional who will look at pictures of things that are happening from satellite images. Yeah, <laughs> they're, not, they're not there on the ground. Yeah, some good assumptions based on the picture. Yeah, and then, and then you then they do a report. So the report gives us certain information. Then you get the scan and you read the scan yourself, and that gives you information. You can yeah. match their reasoning to the scan. And then you take those two and you put them next to the patient, and you've now got three bits of situation going on where you've seen the scan yourself. It fits with what this patient has then you can feed that information into the patient in the right way mm. so if you take for an example um this patient has degenerative disc disease that's a diagnosis a medical diagnosis it means that the disc isn't doing the function that the disc should do yeah right? but um that's not the end of the world because because certainly you can take someone away from degenerative disc disease and into healthy movement yeah what is probably going to happen what the outcome of that degenerative disc disease is is that that disc isn't as resilient as it was previously mm -hmm. so you 
person with degenerative disc disease or with a disc bulge or with a disc protrusion, whatever you want to call it, with disc damage, whereas somebody without disc damage could reach 10 metres from a mm -hmm. standing position, right? Now with that disc damage, you can only reach nine. Yeah. So you're, you're, you have a limitation to what you can achieve, but it's not massive. Yeah. And what you've got to do is bring everything back to the middle, the symmetry. Yeah. All the muscle movements, take away some of the rotation, get the brain working in a different way, teach people to walk differently or use those kind of techniques to, to yeah. move people differently. And then that brings them away from the pain-causing situation. Mm. And then you can restore as much of that 90% resilience. Yeah. But you'll never get your 100% resilience because there is damage in the disc. Yeah, yeah. I think the that, other thing as well is that... That makes sense, Josh, because it's quite, yeah, I yeah. quite a complicated way of looking at it or actually if i just simplified a, a way of looking at it i don't i suppose it's different for everybody isn't it yeah and i think maybe for people listening this might be new information i guess mm. for us it's something that we often think about and talk about quite a bit so for us it's sort of like yeah yeah we get that um but yeah no i i think that's probably well simplified um and sort of laid out and i think something we often come back to is that sort of structural mechanical sort of relationship and yeah. i think i think I, I often describe it to patients that we often forget that essentially we are just physical machines with an emotional side attached to it so if we were simply robots and our physics went wrong and you know this this nut needed tightening or whatever it was if something was dysfunctional, there'd be no pain involved because, well, it would just all of a sudden get to the point where it breaks down. But because we are human beings, we've got that whole emotional side to it. Actually, this pain thing comes in as a warning system that actually something physically, physics has gone wrong. And I think that's a, a really big thing for people out there to understand. Um, mm. I think that's essentially what we're touching on is that, is that actually... The pain kicks in when more often than not something physical has changed and our decision making is what is the physical bit that has changed has something changed structurally has something changed mechanically has something a bit of both kicked in mm. uh, chances are there's yeah there is a like we said before a few factors involved so no i think yeah we've gone we've gone complex we've gone simple we've zoomed in we've zoomed out i think i think we've i think we're there So then, Matt, let's think about maybe a practical example of the back in a certain position under load performing a task. So we've looked a little bit this month as a company at cycling. So um, cycling is obviously a fairly um, lower body driven thing. It's, you know, legs powering to, to move the move the bike forward. Just yep. gives the sense, though, of what the back's role is in cycling how it interacts with sort of surrounding areas um yeah when we're in when we're cycling when we're in that position so it's actually quite a tricky question that is josh that's a, yeah um, no, we're not helping with um, the complicated bit here are we yeah yeah so um let's start with so whenever you say low back yeah 
I my brain says low back, pelvis, and hips. Yeah. Okay. So I never look at the low back in isolation. It's always part of that system. And actually, if you were to really push me, <laughs> uh, low back pain starts at the knee. Mm, no, it doesn't start at the foot. So uh, let's go. Uh, you know, rib cage, low back, pelvis. Yeah. Um, hips. Okay. Yeah. But, but you've narrowed me down from my natural position. That's fine. We'll, we'll keep okay. it simple. Maybe we've got time for more complexity. Okay. Like, here we go. All right. Cool. So, um, the the back is actually quite static uh, in a forwards backwards motion when you're cycling. Mm -hmm. But it but as you push down with your right leg, your right side of your pelvis has to go with you slightly. Yeah. And then the left side of your pelvis has to counterbalance that. Mm -hmm. Therefore, there's rotation in the lower back through small ranges Yeah, during cycling. So when you put the, if you think cycling is all about power, when you put the power down through your right foot, your, there's, there's two, there's a couple of bits to this. So I, I can't help it. I've got to go to foot position. So if you're pushing down through the knuckle of your big toe. Yeah, so towards the front of the foot. Towards the front of the foot, right? So in the knuckle of your big toe, so the front inside, that means that your force will go up the majority of the inside of your leg. Yeah. Which means that uh, you'll get a bit more or a bit less rotation at the pelvis, but the force will go into the joints of the low back more. Now, I've got no evidence for that. I've got no, I've got no scientific paper on that mm -hmm. um, to give you. But if the inside of the leg works harder, it, it makes the force go closer to the low back. Yeah. And that's just through my observations of low back problems that have come in through cycling. And I think probably just on that is also just to borrow simple laws of physics, isn't it? Of yeah. um, action, reaction, and and you know, plausitive sort of physics calculations, and that that stuff is complex. But I guess in terms of a simple concept, it's action and reaction, isn't it? Yeah, physics would certainly. Yeah, physics could could explain that. Um, and so uh, that would push the force up into your hip flexor which attaches from your groin, deep in your groin, to your lower back. Yeah. So there is a constant pull. As I just talked about, the pelvis rotating as you push down through your right leg. The pelvis rotates and the force goes up the inside of the leg into the hip flexor, which goes through your abdomen and attaches to your low back. So your low back, low back becomes a fixed point with a rotation effort mm -hmm. that has to cope with the power going through the hip flexor. Right? Yeah. Uh, and then uh, your hands are on the handlebar and your rib cage has to counterbalance some of the rotation at your pelvis. And so your low back becomes a fixed point through which it copes with the rotation of your rib cage. Mm -hmm. And it, the, the rotation of the rib cage will be small, but, it, but it's definitely there. Yeah. And I guess maybe to bring a, a fairly sort of simple analogy into that. If you've got a wet towel and you go to wring it, you're yep. twisting two ends, aren't you? With the middle point being the point at which where the torsion and the tension and the pressure is. 
yeah. I think I often think about it. I mean, the back is, is this basically in, in, in most activities, but we're going obviously with cycling in this instance. As you've just described that rotation there, the back is essentially that middle point of the ring, isn't it? And can it cope then with that torsion? And we'd see more obviously exaggerated examples with that with, you know, other activities, you know, reaching down to pick something off the floor if it's too side, that type of thing. But obviously even in something like cycling, that's happened because happening. And I think that's maybe something that, not solely people would understand or consider probably is a better word because we would think that the back is purely static and it's legs that are moving but actually there's this hidden stuff happening in the background that we're, we're not particularly aware of. Yeah so I think often the way I see it is the lower back in something like that and, and then that a lot of activities often is facilitating the things around it to work so you gave that example of you know the fush, foot fush foot pushes into the pedal and that opposite side of the back having to sort of counteract and stabilize and i think that for me is probably it's it's main role in a lot of things but also something like this as an example is its ability and job to stabilize to allow something like legs to pump up and down to be able to, to provide power uh, for cycling so cool so Let's um, let's think about the position that we're in when we when we cycle, which obviously the the back is often sort of slightly rounded. So just talk us through sort of the the challenges of the back for, um, being in that position and what that situation uh, might create. So that 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 curved position is not a problem unless you're doing it for a long period of time. Yeah, and the if you're leaning on your handlebars and pushing through your feet then it's not a muscularly challenged position mm -hmm. but that means that your back is now open to stresses and strains because the muscles aren't necessarily getting involved mm -hmm. in that they're getting involved in rotation but they're not getting involved in the flexion extension bit it's quite similar uh, when we're sat really isn't it just even just yeah. a full stop resting yeah. position bend yeah. but not necessarily muscles engaged and you'll also see people um they curve uh, the, the hinge point of the curve the point at which most curve is taking place is where the rib cage meets the lumbar spine mm -hmm. as a bunch of muscles that go from the ribs to the pelvis there and they're not working particularly well and then you got a bunch of um your bunch of joints are under pressure in that position and mm -hmm. as you hold that position for long periods of time which cycling invariably is to go it's a bit like tennis to suggest to a tennis player you're going to go out and play tennis for less than two hours <laughs> they look at you like you're nuts yeah and a cyclist yeah just go out for 25 minutes what what's the point yeah you know, cyclists go out for 100 miles, don't yeah. they? The, 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 really, the really keen ones will go out for longer. Um, and so it's a long period in that position and it, and it creates that rotation. So you need to, you do need to get ahead of the situation by making sure those muscles in the back and uh, making sure you do the, that you do the opposite mm -hmm. of the cycling position to recover making yeah. sure the muscles in the back are strong enough to do their share of the work, making sure yeah. that your arms aren't, aren't locking down on the handlebars and that you're spending time when the arms aren't doing that so they can mm. do it and they don't do it and you sort of vary your position slightly. 
yeah. to try to recover properly from a long period of time that you're cycling for. Yeah. Give us two practical things that you would advise then, because you mentioned there about the recovery bit. So obviously, you know, our body's designed for movement and something like cycling, obviously back's not really moving. So how might we get our back feeling better and recover from being in a cycling um, static position? But also, obviously, we know we do lots of things day to day that require us being in a static position. What would be a couple of things you might recommend someone to do to so, help with that? Low body. I've just cycled for 80 miles. I'm going to get off my bike and I'm going to loosen up my hip flexors. Okay. And I'm going to do that by foam rolling my adductor muscles, the inside of the thigh muscles. I'm going to do it by having a look online for any stretches or opening movements for the hip flexors. Mm -hmm. And then for my rib cage, I'm going to do the opposite of what I've just done for 80 miles. And I'm going to lie back over a towel Okay. or over a pillow or and i'm going to spend five to ten minutes there you know i'm going to spend a bit of time just letting the tissues recalibrate back into a middle position mm -hmm. so lay that back something into the sort of sort of upper mid part of your back and opening out you're saying yeah 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 do the opposite yeah mm -hmm. and it and it, it it sounds so simple that most people go i'm not doing that <laughs> way too not complicated enough mm. but it's the it's the being able to do the opposite of what you've done all day mm. so if, as a physio i i might um do a load of assessments using a physio bed and a standing up and then i'll have to go home and i'll have to do the opposite because it's yeah i'll have to open up my rib cage and lie back because that doesn't take long yeah you know it just it just asks my body to recalibrate mm-hmm I think that comes back to a little bit of what we touched on earlier about that symmetry thing, doesn't it? Is if we're constantly asking a certain question of the body, but then not asking the opposite question, we're then naturally going to create imbalance, aren't we? Mm -hmm. We want right. to give it variety. We want to give it stuff that puts us in positions, but then out of those positions and in the opposite position. I think almost, I think what it feels like this, this podcast, it feels like, um, the 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 sort of the subject of cycling mm. is massive yeah when it comes to uh, what work we do mm. and also the subject of low back pain is massive when it comes yeah. to it. it's probably worth touching upon some of this again in a different one Definitely. just to continue on some of those thought processes because mm. it certainly feels like we got we got a, a fifth of the low back stuff out. yeah and um, there's probably more tips and, and movements that we can add in there. So why don't we uh, go low back cycling taster? As a, as a topic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've given it a taste. We've given it a bit of a bit of a delve, scratch the surface, we'll come back to it. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> so as a, uh, as a final thing to finish on, uh, we've done these in the past and we've got a question in from the public. So it's a similarish theme, uh, but this is, I guess, maybe a bit more specific to low back pain. And maybe let's make some assumptions here that this is a sh more a short-term thing, so a bit more of an acute pain. So the question is, I have ongoing low back pain. Um, so let's, like I said, let's assume then maybe that's uh, an exacerbation in the short term. 
what stretch would you advise to do to help so i would are you are you giving one of these as well you're giving you give yeah, one, go on one then yeah I'll you, you give an answer I'll, yeah I'll, I'll give right, my first one is um i would get a foam roller okay i would sit on the foam roller with my back against the sofa yeah and the floor the foam rollers on the floor yeah and then i would cross my left leg across my bent right knee yeah and i would just hotch myself across onto my left glute so that the pressure of the foam roller was on the left glute whilst also there would be a stretch into my left glute mm -hmm. and i would just hold it i wouldn't foam roll i just hold mm -hmm. it and let the pressure of the foam roller and the stretch work together Mm -hmm. nice there you go and then i do it on the other side as well. yeah yeah i think mine would probably be let's try and get some movement in there but what we can tolerate so i think i'd probably be tempted to do sort of like a segmental bend i think and taking that as far as tolerance will allow so sitting position starting with back straight and we're starting all the way from the top of the spine so head goes first and we drop into a bend position slowly each vertebra at a time trying to sort of count each one as we go allowing all of that stuff to move and to stretch because something we haven't touched on is that some of the muscles in the back are very very long and attach along the whole length of the spine so we mm -hmm. often think lower back or mid back or neck or whatever mm -hmm. But actually, yeah, yeah. we've got muscles that run all the way along that. So we might have pain in our back, but actually it could be being caused by restriction way above that point, way more. Around the, the yeah, middle of the, the shoulder spine. blades. Yeah. So I think yeah. that sort of segmental bit starts to really tick some of those things off. And if we can sort of really open each bit up, we can then potentially start to loosen some of those bits up. But only going as far as, you know, sort of tolerance will allow. So we get to a certain bit and we think, oh, gosh, no, I'm not going to go past that point. Then let's yeah. let's stop there. But um, I think that probably would be mine, I think. Uh, you see, now I feel like I've got to give another one because <laughs> as you start to give these ones out, you 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 know, they're one, they're one type of stretch. Yeah. But they don't cover all types of back pain. Yeah. Like the podcast, like the podcast. Like the podcast. Taste, yeah. taste the stretches for a taste That's of podcast. It. So then I feel like if that one wasn't any good, yeah, I'd have to for your type of back pain. I'd have to then get you to um, put your back against the wall with your knees ever so slightly bent, mm -hmm. and just tuck your pelvis under, tuck your tailbone underneath, and yeah. that would give you the little bit of traction at that lower back yeah that might give you the freedom that you need yeah very true so it's a sort of there's three then isn't there three yeah. things to try no one not one of them is the miracle so as we've mentioned there's lots of factors involved there with low back pain and we've touched on some we know we got a bit complex at times and then simplified stuff down zoomed in and zoomed out but I think the thing to remember is that, you know, there's lots of things to consider uh, when we've got low back pain. And like we said, we've touched on some, but it'll be a topic, no doubt, that we'll revisit because there is lots of things uh, to cover um, and lots of things um, to, to know about and discuss around this topic. 
So, as always, hopefully you found that useful. Um, to check out our previous podcasts, find us at Response Physio uh, Podcast on Spotify and iTunes. If you could leave us a review, that would be great and much appreciated. And we'll be back with future discussion topics. And until then, we'll see you soon. Take care.